Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and time to catch up again on uh, what we've been reading lately. Some of us want to share too much of the couch. (laughs) I was just comfortable. Okay, so I'm going first. Sounds like it. All right, so the first book I read is Meet Me Under the Mistletoe by Jenny Bayless, and this may be the last Christmas-themed book that I read this year, mostly because I can't find any more at the library. I was going to say, it's mid-November. What? I don't believe you. They're all checked out. I can't get any more of them. (laughs) There are fine electronic alternatives. Oh, don't get me started. Anyway, this book was about, um, it's set in um, a little town in England, as all the good Christmas books are. The main character runs a secondhand bookstore. She's moved away from her little town, but she comes back for a wedding just before Christmas. And, I mean, it's just your typical book. She meets somebody and falls in love. Although this person that she meets um, is actually the caretaker at the castle where she is staying for this wedding. And she actually knew him when she was younger. So, there's no unfamiliar tropes in these books. And, again, they're just pure comfort reads, and I love them. No shame in that. Then I read A Place in the World by Frances Mays, who wrote Under the Tuscan Sun, and I just really like the way that she writes. She's a poet also, besides a memoirist and a novelist, and her memoirs read like poetry. I love the way that she writes about other places. In this one, um, A Place in the World, the subtitle is something about like how to find home, and so she writes about a lot of the homes that she's lived in. Of course, her home in Tuscany... Um, Brahma Sole that she writes about extensively in several of her books, Under the Tuscan Sun, was set there. Um, but then also the home that she bought in South Georgia. I think there's another home maybe in North Carolina. She writes a little bit about her home in California, about homes growing up. Just kind of the way that we define home and we experience it and we create it wherever we are in the world. And I really love the idea of home. I think about it a lot. I like reading about home. So this one hit all the right buttons for me. It's an interesting conceit with a woman who uh, is famous for writing about everywhere in the world. Well, how she creates home everywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But yeah, when you're a travel writer, to write about home is a little different. Yeah, I really like her. Um, She also writes really well about food. And I love a good food book. So this one really is, you know, home world travel, and food, and I just, you can't beat it. Okay, it is really quiet, though. It's not going to be a Bill Bryson kind of travel book. <laughs> it's just, just you don't say. beautiful writing. And then the last thing that I read over these past two weeks was a really long book, and it is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. I love Barbara Kingsolver, but from the title of the book, I was not sure that I really wanted to read this one. It sounded a lot like the Poisonwood Bible, which, for the record, I actually loved also, but the title was ominous and proved to be so within the story. Did you ever read the Poisonwood Bible? I did not. It's a great book. Um, This book also was fabulous. If you read the inside cover of it, the synopsis, it hints broadly that she based this book on Davy Copperfield, so which you've read and I haven't, despite both of us really loving Dickens. Um. And I thought, even though I haven't read the book, I I knew the basis of what Davy Copperfield was about. And I thought she did a really good job basically taking the story about a 
poor boy in England and setting it smack in the middle of Appalachia, Mm -hmm. modern day. Um, The first parts of this book really broke my heart. Um, I really have a hard time reading books about innocent children who are mistreated, who are confused, who are hurt in all kinds of ways. And this story uh, took our hero through the foster system and um, just various kinds of abuse and loss and sadness broke my heart on every single page for probably the first couple hundred pages. It's an almost 600-page book, but it was worth it. Um, Barbara Kingsolver is an epic writer. She's just absolutely fantastic. The first book of hers I ever read was The Bean Trees. You read that too, yeah? I don't know that I've ever read any of hers. Oh my gosh, Joseph. Like, not even her essays? Nothing? I mean, I'm not entirely unfamiliar with her as a writer. I know I've read some of her stuff that she did for like Oxford American, but I don't think I've ever read one of her books. Okay, well you've got to read this then, especially since you were uh, the Davy Copperfield fan. Um, It was a really good book. I felt like a really important book. She had a lot of things to say that echoed what Dickens said so many years ago about the way that children are treated and about people in poverty, how they're treated. And she modernized it and showed how we are still dealing with the same kinds of things against children and for people in poverty and just the tragedy that it is, um, the wasted lives, the wasted resources, uh, and the sadness and the way that we look at our brothers and sisters and don't see ourselves reflected in them. Um, Absolutely fantastic book, but beware, it it is a difficult book. I've just actually placed a hold on it on uh, one of the online apps because I'd looked the other day and I was a bit thrown off by the audio where there were like 150 people waiting for two copies. Oh, but gosh. the regular version, there were six copies and there were two people waiting for them. So I should be able to jump right in and read it. Well, so excellent. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. I, obviously, the Kentucky thing's interesting. I, did, I bought David Copperfield in England. Of all now, things. this book is set in Virginia, but it's set over um, in the corner of Virginia where you, close to where you're from. Yeah, I was born in Virginia, so yeah. I can appreciate that too. Um, you know, really, really, I love the idea here. I mean, that was one of the things you were, you were telling me about this, and I said, what a great idea. It's almost like everything has to be, you know, the most original thing in the world, and... Maybe as a writer, maybe as a reader, I find myself drawn more to forms that are pre-existing. And I mean, Shakespeare did this. Shakespeare didn't come up with all of this stuff out of his head. He took frameworks that he already knew and he built on them. It doesn't have to be original. It just has to be clever and meaningful. And this one really is. Yeah. I mean, there there is nothing new under the sun, but this is a redo that... Uh, that I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, I just really was kind of um, amazed and horrified at how well she illuminated the way that we don't make things change for the right people, even after hundreds of years. As John Mellencamp sings in Jackie Brown, we shame ourselves to watch people like this live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and, and maybe it'll be a backdoor into her other stuff. Uh, we'll see. All right, you're up. Okay, I actually had my phone here so I could pull up information on one of the books I had. Baseball Memories and Dreams, Reflections on the National Pastime from the Baseball Hall of Fame by various authors. 
This was actually a collection of short essays that was from the official magazine of the Hall of Fame, which I used to get a subscription to. If you remember, they give it to you. And what is the name of it? I'm trying to find it right now. Um, great question, because <laughs> they keep being like, the magazine, I'm like, yeah, what is it? What do they call it? I don't know what they call it, but whatever they call it. Um, this was a very diverse collection of essays, some about uh, women in baseball or the Negro Leagues. Some were just very personal essays about what baseball meant to me. And I think one of my favorites was Ichiro Suzuki did one about his trips to the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. And, you know, we've been a couple times now. And it was just interesting to see how, you know, for him, some of the stuff is inside. He talked about the equipment. You know, of course, when he goes, he gets special treatment you know they'll they'll pull out Babe Ruth's glove and let him put it on and things like that and he <laughs> talks about how cool it is for him to connect with the game in a way that he otherwise can't but it, you know there, there's nothing shocking or revelatory here if if you've got somebody in your life who's a you know light baseball fan particularly one tending toward nostalgic this is a fine Christmas idea but you know, don't uh, don't break your neck sprinting to the bookstore for it either. It's it's fine, but so are many others. Fair um, enough. And I read a book with our son called "Playing for Night: My Six Seasons with Coach Knight" by Steve Alford. Oh, this book has inspired many questions and lots of conversation. Well, and that was it. This was one of my archive.org finds, and I remembered this book as a young fan, about the age that my son is now. And one of the things you always want is that inside information. What is this like? And playing for a legendary pain-in-the-butt coach like Bob Knight would be one of those things. Uh, and Alfred tells the stories with minimal profanity uh, and with a fair eye toward all of it. He became, of course, a coach himself later, so he definitely appreciates some of the things Knight did and some of them not as much, but... Uh, it was fun to go back and, and read a book that I had not read in 30 plus years and to share it with you know, our son again, who, who then got it at the same age I did. And yeah, made thought some of the same things, wondered some of the same things. So long out of print, but a, a fun read. And if you've got a young sports fan in your life who does wonder about these kinds of things, again, it's... I might call it PG rated, but it's a very mild PG. There are a handful of swear words in the entire book and only the mildest ones at that. Um, so it's almost universally appropriate and very interesting. It, it really flies by and gives you an insight into the good, the bad, and the ugly of what big time college basketball was like in the 1980s. He's been really interested, so it was a good choice for him. Yeah, we enjoyed it. And I read The President is a Sick Man, which has a mile-long subtitle that I cannot read by a man named Matthew Algio. This was my Grover Cleveland book until, until I went to the <laughs> library and they had a brand new Grover Cleveland biography. So I'm proud to announce to you that I'm in the middle of my second Grover Cleveland biography, which really only makes sense because he is, of course, the 22nd and the 24th president. Oh my gosh. So he gets two. How I'm enjoying the second one, you? too, and we'll have discussion of that uh, the next time around. But both of these have been very good. The President is a Sick Man is about how Cleveland had a secret surgery. He had cancer on the roof of his mouth. Ugh. And rather than let that get out, he went on a 
yacht on a, a pleasure boat owned by a wealthy friend and secretly underwent this complicated oh surgery gosh. out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, imagine the surgeons as they oh. bob around. Um, and not only did they keep it secret, but somebody, a journalist, found out about it and ran the story, and they basically shamed the guy half to death. Everybody denied it. Huh. Everybody. No, it didn't happen. You're completely wrong. And... 20 or 30 years later, finally, people said, you know, <laughs> you actually were completely right. Everything you said was spot on. Man. Um, but an interesting thing about kind of the inside baseball of politics and how, you know, th this is not an unusual thing. FDR, of course, was paralyzed and didn't share that with the country. Woodrow Wilson had a stroke and it largely went unremarked upon. Um, presidents weren't comfortable with their infirmities and Actually, if you look at the re recent Pennsylvania Senate race with John Fetterman and his stroke and, and the physical issues that went with that, you know, there are some people who'd probably say if you could get by with it, do the same thing today. But it was an interesting way of, of looking at Grover Cleveland's story. But I'm going to say Grover Cleveland's more interesting than I ever knew. Dig in the second one, which might be even better. But oh, good deal. I'll talk about that. I'm reading a book about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, uh, which has been very interesting. And of course... Bob Dylan's new book. So. Oh, you've been counting the seconds till that one. I've, I've got so many good books going right now that are not quite done, but I enjoyed all of these. But I'm just telling you next time, you know, as the what was the guy for the bar review? He had his thing. He would say uh, the bar exam. He would say, "I'm underlining it in yellow. I'm hot. No, I'm <laughs> I'm highlighting it in yellow. I'm underlining it in black. I'm circling it in red." You know that was his things for for what you needed to know. So that's my list next time. <laughs> well, all right then. Now we get to talk about our shared read, which is Sean Dietrich's book, um, "You Are My Sunshine." Yeah, and we talked about Sean and his uh, his other book that we read will the circle be unbroken on the last time around and you are my sunshine in many ways is is a lighter book is more of a travel book um, it is it's book ended by um his wife being diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. um beginning and end and so her decision when she's getting this diagnosis is that she wants to do something big and she picks out uh, cycling the CNO trail is that yes um, just speaking Ohio yeah yeah okay so she wants to cycle this the problem is that they are not athletes um, neither of them has ridden a bike in years and Sean <laughs> is actually scared of riding a bike <laughs> she ends and up, the vermin that he will encounter oh, and the snakes and yeah everything yeah. else they're not they are not what you would call outdoorsy folks in in fact in this manner I would say that they are very similar to you and me. You also are scared of bikes. <laughs> yeah, the last time I rode a bike, it didn't go well. I got stitches in my knees. If so. we were going to do this, I would also have to buy you an adult tricycle. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've got to interject here just with a random plot point. At one point, yeah, his, his bike is not really a bike. It's basically an adult tricycle. And you had told me that at one point there were problems with it, and she basically had to tow him. But my understanding was that this was like the whole trip that she no, like dragged no, him the whole no. way on his tricycle with his wife dragging him behind. <laughs> it's not that way, but but that would have been a great thing if it was just to read about. But uh, then she probably had to write the book, I guess. <laughs> Sean and his wife, 
have obviously a really um, special relationship, obviously very much in love with each other. The way he writes about their conversations, though, in this book, <laughs> and her attitude toward his, his fears of everything <laughs> just had me in stitches. Whereas, Will the Circle Be Unbroken had a lot of moments that really just made you cry. Yeah. This book was just as beautifully written, but it was just so funny all the way yeah, through. Yeah, that, that was more the predominant thing. Although there were moments of, of, of solemnity and contemplation there and were. great beauty. There, there's one bit in particular that jumps yes, to mind for I me. I know exactly what you're thinking of. Uh, she's about to eat a meal and he runs into somebody and... and it's it's one of the the best things I read all year. Just um, Sean Dietrich, I don't know how we had never really heard of him before because he is one of the best modern writers. I think he's just amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't always hit a thousand on these things. I can tell you about a great book, and the person ends up being a complete lunatic. But I don't think he's going to fit in that category. We're, I think this guy's here to, to last. We're definitely going to get some novels of his too. And yeah, check out yeah, those. and and that's it. Uh, there's one that I'm about to check out. Listening to it's some, Alabama's in the title. I can remember that. A girl from Alabama, a girl in Alabama, something about Alabama. So I just cannot recommend his writing enough. Whatever it is that you can uh, read of his, I think that you should get it and read it and let us know what you think. Also, he's touring right now, and apparently mm -hmm. he's like playing his guitar and singing and talking, and um, I'm sure it would be a really great show if you could go to see it. If Dave Barry and Louis Grizzard and Rick Bragg had somehow... I don't know, spit in the same cup and the DNA had been used to, to spring somebody else to life. It, it might have been him. There, there are just so many moments where I'm reminded of some of my other favorites, but he, he has his own package. He brings it all together in his own way. And as we are not going to be able to go to see him um, speak and sing live, mm -hmm. we are going to check him out on Thacker Mountain. So if you are also yes. not lucky enough to be able to catch a live show of his while he is touring right now, may we also recommend Thacker Mountain Radio to you. It is out of our beloved Oxford, Mississippi, um, where they used to tape exclusively in off-square books on Thursday nights with all the windows open. It was a gorgeous, joyous, wonderful thing to be a part of. They tape it in front of a live audience every time. Now it happens in various places. I think that they still put it on public radio live when they do it, but where we catch it is on Spotify now, and it'll be late when it comes up. It's not going to happen immediately, but while you wait for Sean Dietrich, you ought to check out some old episodes of Thacker Mountain Radio. They have a fabulous house band. They usually have a musician or two come and play, and always, always an author reading from his or her work. And the Yellow Bushwhackers, the, the house band, um, which once upon a time featured the great Jim Dickinson, who played with the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. Um, and who's the other one that we liked from? The Duff Duro yeah. was on the guitar. If there were six songs in the English language that Jim or Duff didn't know, I don't believe it. Um, they still got a great band. It's Those guys amazing. are both passed away now, but uh, the it's show continues. Jim D's. Yep. 
is is one of the bre- the best uh, hosts in the history of radio, podcast, whatever medium he's in, and, and a fine writer himself to boot. He absolutely is. So that's just our two cents for you. Um, he will be on Thacker Mountain coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, our next um, shared read is one that kind of goes outside the normal bounds. It is No Fixed Address by Susan Nielsen. We don't know a ton about this book. This is young adult literature that is, or maybe middle grade. This one may be a middle grade lit. Um, we just swiped it from our daughter, actually, um, like 20 minutes ago. It's one of the book club books that they do at her school. They read it. Um, it's the last one that they read, and we love to read what she's reading, so we are also going to check this one out. So we'll talk to you about that one next time. If you have read No Fixed Address or if you've read anything by Sean Dietrich or have anything that you want to say about any of the books we've talked about tonight, you can feel free to let us know at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod and on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. And if you reach out, I promise to put down whichever Grover Cleveland biography I'm reading at the moment and and pay students' attention. Until then, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, I hope you're doing it well, and I hope you're reading. Take care.